Zoom with Jeremiah, and I would ask you to turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. And we will also, of course, read our key verse, which is John 3.16. So our key verse is John 3.16, and I'll ask you to stand this morning as we read our scripture. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jeremiah 1, 4 through 10. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Let us pray. Hide me behind your cross, Lord Jesus. Articulate the Father's heart through my voice and let the Holy Spirit breathe new life to us, opening our ears to hear the message of God. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Jeremiah is a fascinating guy. He is a prophet of God. He is not a bullfrog, by the way. That is a completely different Jeremiah. I'm going to assume, anyway, that uh, Jeremiah, though, was a prophet who was called by God, as you just heard. And as God called him to be a prophet, God specifically told him that he would encounter persecution. And what God told him was that he would find that people would be really angry with him for what he had to say. Now the reasons why people were really angry with him for what he had to say was because what he had to say kind of hurt some people's feelings, kind of made some people feel really uncomfortable. It really was words that were difficult, words that were challenging. There was opportunity for them to hear him, Jeremiah, tell them that uh, the direction that the government was going was a bad idea. In fact, Jeremiah told the people that they should actually give in to the Babylonians who were attacking them. They should surrender to the Babylonians who were attacking them. The king was deliberately 
provoking the Babylonians who were attacking them and was trying to fight back and wanted to fight back. And Jeremiah is out there among the people and he's telling them that God says that the better course of action is to not fight the Babylonians. As it turns out, Jeremiah was telling them really good things. He was giving them great advice because at the end, they were going to be destroyed by the Babylonians. The Babylonians were going to take Jerusalem. The Babylonians were going to destroy Judah, the country where they lived. And the Babylonians were going to take most of them into captivity. And when the Babylonians did that, when all of those things came true, you would think that then the people would be like, ooh, Jeremiah, I think you were right. Yikes. But that was not how they felt about Jeremiah. Not then, not ever. Jeremiah elected to stay behind when all of the rulers and people were taken off into captivity. He stayed behind with the poor people, with the people who had the least. And when he took, when he stayed behind with them, he suffered with them. At one point, Jeremiah writes for us these words. Oh, that my head were a spring of water and my eyes a fountain of tears. I would weep day and night for the slain of my people. You see, Jeremiah wasn't telling them these prophecies so that he could later say to them, oh, I was right. He was telling these prophecies. He was sharing this information that he was getting from God because he wanted them to live. He wanted them to survive. He didn't want them to suffer. You may have heard that Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. And it's because a lot of the oracles that he wrote down have instructions and things about how brokenhearted Jeremiah was over what was happening in Judah and Jerusalem. Over and over, Jeremiah tells them, give up the power. This will save you. You will, you will be better for it. They ignore him. They get destroyed. They go through a siege. The Babylonians cut them off from all outside. They can't get out of the town. And while that happens, then, of course, the people start to starve to death. They're actually losing all of their ability to care for themselves. They have no food. The idea being that eventually the Babylonians will be able to come in and just take over, which is what they did. But during that time, Jeremiah is with them. He's part of what's happening. He's living through that. There are people who are not able to survive, so they are eating other people in that time. It was bad. It was not good. And Jeremiah says to them, here's how you get out of this. Surrender. Give up. And the people are like, no. You're wrong. We have to fight harder. And we listen to Jeremiah and we say, well, that's great. That sounds like that was stuff for them back then. 
right? So that's all stuff that we don't have to worry about. The Babylonians aren't sitting outside our door, right? We don't have to worry about any of that. But the interesting thing about what Jeremiah tells us is it's very similar to the same thing that Jesus tells us, which is this. Follow me. And I'm going to ask you to do things that seem counter to what makes sense. And if you follow me, I can promise you that everyone is going to be opposed to you. People are not going to like what you have to say. And it's kind of not going to be very fun. Jeremiah, at one point, he is telling them over and over, he's telling the people, you need to surrender, you need to do this. So some of the people go to the king and they're like, king, um, we'd like to kill Jeremiah on your behalf. Only if you say it's okay. And the king is like, I don't know how I can stop you. Go right ahead, right? So they take Jeremiah and they throw him in a cistern, basically a deep pit. And here's Jeremiah. Jeremiah has been called of God. God has told him what to say. He has done nothing but be obedient. Tell the people exactly what God has told him to say. And he's in this pit. Now you have to imagine that Jeremiah is thinking, um, did I miss something? Was there maybe a memo that I didn't get? about how this was all going to work? Because it seems to us, over and over again, we're told that if we're obedient to what God calls us to do, if we listen to God, if we do the things that God has called us to do, if we follow Jesus, we keep hearing from outside voices, well, if you do that, God will bless you. God will be with you. Everything will work out hunky-dory. Except, no, that's not what God promised Jeremiah. That's not what Jesus promised us. One of my favorite scripture verses is in John. And Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. But fear not, for I have overcome the world. Basically, Jesus promises us that everything is going to suck from time to time. That we're going to have bad days at work. We're going to have bad health. We're going to have horrible things that happen to us all the time. That's just the way life is. But Jesus also tells us the same thing that God promised Jeremiah. And that is, I will be with you. I'll be with you in the moments that are difficult. I'll be with you when they throw you in the cistern. And ultimately, our hope is for the rescue that God has promised. The redemption that comes with it. And Jeremiah had some of those words to say to the people too. He told them, hey, you know what? You're going to go into captivity. But 70 years after you've been in captivity, you're going to come back. God is going to let you come back and you're going to start to rebuild Jerusalem. 
We were going to start to rebuild the temple. The people didn't listen to him, like ever. (laughs) At any point in time, Jeremiah spent lots of time seeing the words and no one listened to him. But what he had to say was true. At the end of 70 years, the king sent people back. We read about it in Ezra and Nehemiah, and they started rebuilding the temple. All of those things happened. Jeremiah didn't get to witness it either. When the second time Babylon, when the Jerusalem tried to revolt again, Like three times they did this. You would think that they would get this, right? But the third time that they tried to revolt again, Nebuchadnezzar sent in men from Babylon and took them over, and a bunch of people ran off to Egypt. And they took Jeremiah with them. There's nothing in Scripture about what happened to Jeremiah ultimately in terms of what his, uh, how he died or anything. But we have it... Uh, sort of as a information from that's outside of the Bible that tells us that Jeremiah was eventually stoned to death because he wouldn't shut up. He wouldn't stop telling the people the things they didn't want to hear. There's even sort of a mention of that in Scripture. Jesus sort of refers to that when he says, You stone people, you stone prophets, you don't listen to prophets when the people are telling him that he's a prophet. When the people are telling Jesus that he's a prophet, he's like, well, that's great because you don't listen to prophets. (laughs) You have a history of not listening to prophets. And we're going to see that again with Ezekiel. who is another prophet of the same time period. But over the course of time, the people get led off into captivity in Babylon, and then they return 70 years later. When they return, they begin to rebuild the temple. During all of the time that Jeremiah has been prophesying and Jeremiah has been giving all of this information, the one thing that is consistent for him The one thing that is consistent for him is knowing that God is with him. He refers to God as all-knowing. He refers to God as all-powerful. He never stops living according to what God has given him to do. Even in the cistern, even in this pit that he's been thrown into, You know how he gets out of the pit? Some random pagan comes through town and hears him crying out and says, this is awful, and pulls him out. God never promises us that following him, that doing the things that we are called to do will be result in great success, in lots of traction but he does promise every single time that if we are obedient if we do what God has called us to do 
Every single time, God will be with us. As I have done throughout our Love Letter series, I will read our statement about how it is that we know that we can see God's love throughout Scripture. But today, I'm going to do it a little different. So, how many of you can say these four words? God loved us enough. Can you say those? God loved us enough. Okay, every time I point to you, I want you to say, and then I will say the rest, okay? We're going to try that this week. Let's see how this goes, okay? You ready? Can you pray? Can you do it, May? Can you, can you say it? God loved us enough? Yeah, you can. I know you can. I've heard you talking. You can say a lot of words. Yeah, I bet you could say all of those. Are you ready? Okay, so let's start out with to let us fail, to let us choose our own way over God's, to let us chain ourselves to sin and defeat and heartbreak and sorrow and death, to provide a rescue, a way back, through wanderers, murderers, adulterers, defaulters, promise breakers, foreigners, strangers, and lovers. To show us mothers, judges, kings, and prophets who loved and spoke for God and kept reminding us of the promise of redemption. To show us how evil and wrong continually mess things up and how obedience to God fosters holiness and bestows blessing. To send us Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, to preach and live peace, grace, hope, joy, and love. To see Jesus rejected, to see him die, to see him buried. To raise Jesus from the dead and send the Holy Spirit to remind us of all we have in him and empower us to live like Jesus. To want us to live like Jesus, an abundant life infused with all the fruit of the Spirit, redeemed, free, loved. To still let us choose our own destiny. To promise the hope of forever, of resurrection from the dead, and judgment. God loved us enough. God loves us enough. God will always love us enough. For God so loved the world. God loves you. God wants you to know it. God wants you to live in it. God wants you to be able to love others because you know you are loved. And God's love is expressed to us every week, most tangibly, as we gather at this table. The son who died and yet lives gave everything so we could know the depth of God's love. So come, drink the wine, eat the bread, Know you are loved. God loves you. Go love the world with him.